Welcome to another Monday of No One Gets Away With Anything. Today with you we are Osa Rafaela Chanari, Adriana Lopez, and Adrian Ketelman. Wow! It feels so French now. <laughs> I had to put the accent. Yeah. But we made it. He's my boyfriend. Tazemon Neni. Oui. He's our very, very special guest of today. Es verdad. See, sí. we've been planning this for forever. Yes. It's finally happening. I'm extremely happy. I'm extremely proud of my TV. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm very excited to be here. So, okay, yeah. before we start, before we begin, um, what are we not? Experts. We're not experts. We are students. Actually, the three of us study the same thing. We are students. We're not professionals. And so, please, whatever we say about politics, about anything in this episode, just take it with a grain of salt. We aren't professionals. Mm -hmm. We don't pretend to be. In, and uh, important thing to say, this episode is going to be mostly in English. Um, a little bit of French, a little bit of Spanish out there. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> I'll try, I'll try. It will be mostly, mostly in English, okay? So, who are you, sir? So, my name is Adrian Kaiterman. <laughs> That's with the English accent. <laughs> It's a bit better. I'm 20 years old. I study uh, business and international relations in Madrid. I'm from Belgium and Switzerland. Uh, and a few other places but those are the main passports um, the and main yeah. passports and I'm the boyfriend also of uh, Ariana Lopez here mm. yes <laughs> okay so you study international relations as well as I do what's your favorite topic international relations wise uh, I think political theory or political science is uh, really something I look forward to study and environmental politics I mean come on okay. that's, that's his field environment oh I had I have a really good question about environmental <laughs> politics just to piss you off but I'll, I'll say that later <laughs> okay um, so okay and what about what do you do with your life other than study university but mostly I do music it's like my f main hobby I say that I try to do as best as I can but it's like my way to exit the world and put like myself that I don't often like show to others into uh, like my secret life kind of okay yeah, I awesome. think like come on my question of, about your music and stuff is like I feel like people do perceive you superficially like a rapper comes up but oh. I feel like I see way more than that because I know you and I know how it works so If you had to, like, come on, shortly explain your music to someone, right? How would you, like, go deep into that? Uh, so, first of all, it's French rap. Mm -hmm. That's, like, the most important. It's, like, lo-fi type of music. So, very calm and chill. It's, like, more to listen on your own than at parties. Mm -hmm. And, like, it's kind of a deep, you know, thoughts on, like, life, my own, like, personal thoughts. I've started also like doing it with like environmental issues, which I've always been very aware and I've always wanted to uh, talk about it. So it's a mix of every little bits of me that I really want to show through like a different universe, you know. I know that the French rap universe is very big and it's not very, it's not, it's, it's not, it's very small to say that it's highly influential. I mean, it's a big part of French culture, their rap and the amount of reach that it has inside of France, the ability that it has to convey, you know, struggles inside of the country with the protests right now and everything. Um, I've, I've seen a lot about French rap. Like, if you follow, for example, Karim Benzema, you know, you see, like, half of his stuff is about rap, and you, you find that most French people listen to rap. But I think that your type of rap is more like what I imagine or what I, what I get in English from, like, um, I don't know, uh, Um, from Michael Moore's This Is Love. 
Okay, yeah. This love, the the the, pro t- the the kind of music that's more centered towards an idea that you want to express that isn't so much um, what you say, it's more lo-fi, right? Exactly. And exactly. then there's, um, it's what I like when I th- listen, it's what I feel like when I listen to Mac Miller. Uh, okay. you, you not, not his very excited songs, but his more chill songs where you're like, oh my God, yeah. <laughs> the universe is moving around me. <laughs> so I, I feel, I've, I've seen a couple of your videos and I really like okay. them, but how did you get into making music? Uh, so f- first of all, I've like, my, both of my parents are art dealers. So I've mm-hmm. always been surrounded in the art industry type of, and like, I've always been into art. I've started with painting, Uh, I've done a lot of graffiti, um, and basically, I like I had a big interest in the emerging of like hip hip hop art, uh, and that uh, kind of puts on different type of art together. So it's like hip hop, you know, like the music. It's like graffiti. Uh, there is break dance, so like dancing, and like I'm very interested into like that culture of the '80s in like the Bronx, New York. And that is how I kind of moved from like painting and like doing graffitis and sketches and everything to music, which I really like. Well, the first time I did some music with some friends at parties and started like rapping a bit, I, I was very much interested in that. You know, mm-hmm. like that's how it started. You know, everything. And awesome. how's it going? It's going pretty well, <laughs> honestly. I'm very happy. I must say, it has been exponential. At least personally, I've. Thing, it has grown like a lot since I've began. So like I began like as I told you rapping like with my friends because I have like two of my very good friends that started music like quite young and they got quite a lot of visibility. Like they had like a few like K even 100K like on music and everything. So I always been very like interested in what they've been doing. And so I started freestyling a bit and then like came my first song in like 2020. So it hasn't been that long that I've been doing music compared to other people or friends of mine that have been doing music since they're born. But since like, yeah, since my first song of 2020, like I think now I have like 10 songs. I have one project that's already out and one that's coming very soon. I've done my first real clip videos, like worked and like very well like designed. And also this year, I've done my first performance, which I'm saying I'm very happy with. I'm very happy with. And like, what's funny is like, I've started like doing performances, and even like people listening to me are not French like native native speakers, mm. and that's kind of like funny to say because, like, part of my music is fun. Eighty percent of it for me, it's like the lyrics, you know. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, we're starting in Madrid and hoping to go a mm-hmm. bit f- further into international uh, relations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. I mean, th- there must be something about your work. If you're, some of your listeners aren't na- like native French speakers, your music must be transmitting something outside of the language that goes with that, you know? Also, the thing is like our environment, the more where we study, naturally exposes us to like a very international environment, right? So whatever like we do and i think it happens for example for us in the podcast and the group their music your audience becomes so international that like you somehow connect you yeah. know with something It's differently for everybody you know but like you you have people that are close to you with things that are like connecting to you in different aspects and that's the beauty of it right yeah. because it's sort of like a network that expands Pre- french rap is like what you always say it's not the most 
you know, popular genre out there. I had never listened to French rap before until him, right? <laughs> so it's like, you know, it, it's a platform of exposure that's very perhaps more privileged in the beginning, right? Maybe in the future it's going to look. And I think it's a niche. You, ha- you have your niche. It's, a, it's you know, French rap and the lo-fi. I identify with lo-fi so much because that idea of just... Well, m- my girlfriend who's listening to us, she's audience today. She's over there so taking pictures. We have pictures. a whole gang today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the dog. I mean, come on. Um, but whenever we study, I just play the lo-fi girl okay. 100% of the time. And I am the kind of person who needs a little bit of background music to listen to. But even when I want to get into music, like the, ty- the, the times where I'm really invested in a song or an artist and I have them like, going in the back of my head, it's the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like coming on to that is basically how I started you know I've always seen my music as like you know I'm putting on my thoughts and like I w- I prefer having one person to listen to to like that music and thinking about it and be in their like mood or like zone you know in order f- for them to like feel like they're in a bubble then like multiple people listening to it and just like enjoying the music without understanding or you know getting the whole concept of it you know mm-hmm. and that's why i prefer like i always say i prefer people listening like to my music in their room or alone and that's how i s- perceive it you know okay yeah. so like and yeah. how do you think it has evolved because i've you know we've spoken about this before okay. it's like music is not the same now than it was like you know two years ago yeah because twice down his style <laughs> <laughs> oh my god uh, i mean coming on to the point i just made is like i think at at the beginning it was a bit too much my own thoughts and like like what i'm trying to like express without a structure or something like I yeah had, basically i had a few songs that were talking about everything i had in my mind and music allowed me to kind of structure or first of all myself and also my songs in which now i have like songs that are attributed to kind of every subject and also there's more dynamism you know before it used to be like if you listen to my music the the first one used to be like kind of me whispering in a mic you know Mm -hmm. and like giving some very slow thoughts and like it's very like i love listening to them but it's very hard for a public to or an audience to listen to that you know and i think that's what has that has developed the most in my music is that i managed to get more people to recognize their s- themselves into music. And that's, yeah. I think, the biggest advice I've received throughout my music is like, if you want people to listen to, n- to you, you need people r- to recognize themselves into your thoughts. But the question is, how do you put your own thoughts for people to recognize yourself without being too mainstream? Because, you know, I do music for myself and I don't do it to become famous or anything like that. So I was into a bubble for a year into thinking like, okay, I want people to see themselves and kind of be like, oh, okay, I have the same thoughts. I feel the same sometimes. So it, I want to listen to that and to like, and to differentiate that between like, okay, that's uh, average like feeling. I don't feel the same as that. Maybe a few, you know, thoughts. Yeah, getting identified with the music is really exactly. I, I have one thing that I agree with a lot. I, I've been going to therapy for a long time, and my therapist has uh, has made me realize that one of the, my the ways that I organize my mind is through podcasting. Like I do this podcast, I do my own podcast, and then my girlfriend and I do podcast night every once in a while, and we record each other having a conversation just so we can hash it out. 
you know like mm-hmm. the, the i was listening to another podcast uh, i always recommend it chris williamson's modern mm-hmm. wisdom that uh, when you have a feeling it's like a fart <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> it's like a smell it's somewhere in the air and you kind of know that it's there but it's undefined mm-hmm. and having a conversation making a song do, doing something to express those feelings makes it solid makes it something you can stare at clean i don't know understand and, Yeah, and uh, another friend of mine was like, you know, I want to start doing TikTok, but like, I don't know if people would like my content. And she's like, do you have any advice for me? She put like in her private Instagram stories. And I, I sent her a message and I said, do not make content for anybody else but yourself. Mm-hmm. If you're making content that isn't for you, that isn't for, to make your life, you know, more livable, is it, if it isn't something that you're doing for yourself, at some point, you will care more about yourself than other people and you'll stop doing it. Mm-hmm. And That's totally, absolutely fine if you want to stop. But if your your goal is to create something that's beautiful and that you want people to listen to, then you gotta love doing it. Yeah, but at the same time, it's very hard to define the boundaries into what do you like to do for yourself and then what do you want to do for, like, how do you want others to see it? You know, it's like, I, from the moment, for example, with music, from the moment I started sharing my music on the platforms, you know, you acknowledge the fact that people are going to listen to you. And if you want them to listen to you, you also have to be able to balance the yourself in, you know, into like that zone and atmosphere. And then the what people are going to want to listen to. Yeah, how so to it's make very the, hard. It's making the experience more relatable for the listener. And that's kind of like the same thing, the same thing that's happened to our podcast. Like you have to evolve mm-hmm. as you do it and you get better at doing it. Like we've changed a lot of stuff from the beginning of doing our podcast. But I think that it's also that you, I, I personally like the evolving part. Like yeah, I've always told Adi mm-hmm. that uh, I mm-hmm. love it. Like people text me like, oh, you need to fix this about the podcast because I didn't like this. And like I say, oh yeah, you're watching an episode that I recorded a month ago. Mm-hmm. And this month, I'm, I already fixed that. And I'm already, like, when somebody <laughs> sends me that and I already fixed it, it's like, yes, I'm, I'm there. I'm getting the, the curve, you know. It's, it's really nice. Yeah. Right. But now, another thing that's really interesting about what you said before, it's like, I remember you once told me that your parents offered you to go to art school, right? And you were like, no, no, thank you. And, like, I feel like that's a dream of so many kids of being like, oh, yeah, you know what? I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to regular <laughs> school. I want to go study arts. But the parents are like, that's not a true, like, career. So why the fuck did you decide to do that? So, of course, like, I, I was very lucky to have the possibility of, mm-hmm. co- of wanting to choose what I want to do. And the thing with art is I've always been a kind of disruptive kid, mm-hmm. like, during my whole like school experience like i had a blast and i was enjoying it but like i was very like disruptive and i didn't know where to put my own thoughts and art was always the way for me to uh do what i want create whatever i want whatever i have in my mind and to put it on a piece of paper Mm -hmm. because i started as like as i told you like like sketching and painting and it's always been like something i needed to do in order to like get out of the like you know, the whole, mm-hmm. your universe, you know, and to get into your own personal, like, thoughts and bubble. And then, I don't know, I just, I just felt like every time I did art, I needed, I did better when I did it for myself than when I did it for okay. school. Because I, for example, like, for IB, I chose art and I loved it and I did very good. Like, mm-hmm. my teacher were really happy with me. But, like, that's, I didn't want to have this, 
like focus of having to do art you okay. know and it's the same with music it's like i like being able to do it when i want when i feel like it when i feel like writing and i think it has a totally different connotation when you have to do it for work mm -hmm. because for example i have like my friend in new york she studies also neuroscience uh, and i have a, a song with her chloe <laughs> shout out to her and like she tells me like she has a lot of friends like that are just doing like music and they're doing a few concerts and a f like and a few mm -hmm. events and they're doing very good but like they have to produce like mm -hmm. a certain amount in order yeah. to live and when you have to make art in order to like get food in your plate it's not the same as mm -hmm. like doing it just for yourself as your side hobby you know mm -hmm. it's like i would say it's my side hobby but like i treat it as it's my It's the only thing I do sometimes. Exactly. You know, it's like a hobby can be vital, you know. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah. some people, I feel like sometimes they don't know the line. You know, it's like, oh, you do music for a hobby, or you do a podcast for a hobby. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, it's like a hobby doesn't it doesn't have, have the a seriousness connotation of exactly. Right. You know, I think uh, it's it's like a sport for me in the sense that if you stop doing physical activity, there will be serious reper repercussions to your health. I feel like if I stop podcasting, it'll have serious repercussions with my mental health. Like <laughs> it, it, it just puts me straight, man. And, and if I stop the same thing, like I have a lot of hobbies, I do a lot of stuff and I get what you mean about the music because if you make me read something for university, I have to get it on a PDF and listen to it because if not, I'm not going to finish. Mm -hmm. Like I have to read 20 pages a, a, a week and it's like, I can't, but I read 15 pages of a, a book in an hour 20 minutes no problem and and i, I don't I, it's precisely that there's some aspect of it that gets poisoned if you just have to do it because somebody's like mm -hmm. stepping on your neck like hey hand me in this <laughs> song for tomorrow or you're dead like no I, i really i understand that's why a lot of people get that and in europe there's that um thing where work is something you do because you need to live and then everything else that you do outside of work is your actual life mm -hmm. yeah basically And it, like one thing is like we always speak about it about balance, you know. I'm a really unbalanced person for some things, right? Sometimes I do too much of the eggs and then I don't do anything <laughs> and then I go crazy. And then he's like, You have to stop, you know, and like evaluate your priorities, right? And I think that's something you've had very clear since you know, relatively young age. And I think that's why you're able to like discern between okay. I want to go to Madrid. I want to study like, you know, business, international relations. And I like, you know, this. I can also do my music and I can also have my free time. And this is my life, you know. And if you're not agreed with it, good for you. But this is what I want. <laughs> and I find that so fucking hard. And that's something I admire so much from you. So, yeah, it's very interesting. And I think it's an amazing quality that you have also. But what? Mi amor. <laughs> That's why I love this person, basically. Yeah, I, I, I the kind of person that sees the best in people. And you, you do. That's, it's really good about you. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you, so we can get into some other questions because that's really awesome. <laughs> so you have a pretty dominant uh, side. Like, in, in general, you're a dominant person. And Ariana, we've talked about your personality before. You're pretty, you know, you're pretty, uh, what do you call this? In the, the, what, agreeable. Yeah, you're pretty agreeable. So I have more or less the same problem. My girlfriend's pretty agreeable. Okay, not always. She can be feisty as well. We'll have her on some other time. You'll see. <laughs> um, but I can be pretty disagreeable. Like I can, I can debate 
pretty well and I can have a pretty hard conversation. Eres so, una ladilla en soy una puta ladilla. <laughs> soy una ladilla. Yo no sé, cariño. Siempre estoy contigo. <laughs> like, my girlfriend has physically told me, like, do you know how fucking hard it is to argue with you? And I'm like, yes, I do. I do it to myself, too. Uh, so, like, how do you uh, control that? You know, the the not winning an argument because you want to win the argument but like letting the other person get a word in and actually have a conversation i think it's the hardest thing to do <laughs> ever yeah. but there's been an angel a, over here <laughs> i mean it's legit it takes like time and effort i think to be able to like set yourself and be like okay i need to listen and you know it's like i'm not always right and i think for that i we seem like having similar opinions you know but it's like For relationships and especially like for my like first real relationship, you know, it's like I've understood that it's, you know, the point is not to be right or wrong, you know, it's to find a compromise, you know. Exactly. But, okay, I'm also going to say like I sound like the perfect boyfriend, but that's <laughs> not <laughs> how I am. It's like, <laughs> it's like I know what to do, but I don't do it, you know. What are you working on? But it's like, it's the thing is, she is very agree agreeable and she's amazing. Like, she, sometimes she would do things I wouldn't do for her, <laughs> but also vice versa, you know? Yeah. yeah. But like, I think if we are not able, you know, to find this like middle ground, then it's impossible for any relationship to work, you yeah. know? So I think it's just self-control, honestly. Yeah. Like, being able to like, Tell yourself to like breathe. Calm down, exactly. breathe. But it's like with relationship, like love relationship, but like friendly, friendly relationships, like you know, fam families and everything. Like I've always had that problem of like not being right. You know, it's like when I was 10, I was like, I'm better than everyone, and I've always like keep up yeah. that mentality. You know, I, 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 uh, one, I, of, one of his other concerns for today was like, I'm scared to be too cocky. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly, it's like it you asked me to talk about myself. It happens to you too. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> it happens to everyone. Like, it happens to everyone. It's it's mental masturbation, you know. Sometimes when I Can when I talk in the in the podcast, I'm like, maybe I'm just like being super, you know, talking too much about the things that I know and that I like <laughs> to talk about and using the information that I know and shutting everyone up and. <laughs> I don't, I, I, it can feel bad sometimes, but at the same time, it's like I'm awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, the, like the one thing about come on, the different personalities is that when we have an argument or whatever, like sometimes I get too affected by things without really understanding them, right? And then they come off very aggressively, right? And I think come on, one of the things that our relationship has taught me is the fact that. You know, there's a background for feelings and people don't always are guilty for your feelings. Come on, you can also have part of the responsibility for the way that you feel. And that's not something I understood before. Because for me back home, it was like, if I'm sad, first my mom is going to notice before I even tell her. So I don't have to explain it to anyone. She's going to be like, why are you sad? And then she's going to look for the reasons until she thinks she finds the one. And I'm like, fair enough, you're right. Yeah. He's he's not a magician of it, and so he's not supposed to be. I'm the one who be, should be able to be like, okay, I am sad because of this, and this is what I need from you. And I think it's selfish from it would be selfish for me to expect for him to always like predict anything that's going on with me when it's hard for me to know. Yeah. So it's complicated. Yeah. I've had the experience. <laughs> I've had the experience of having to understand when my girlfriend's having a problem. And, like, she can close off a lot sometimes. And I have to be like, I ask her, are you okay? Mm-hmm. 
do, what do you want to eat mm. and i have to like you know take it out of her for a little bit and i've told her like look i don't mind doing it but like you have to work on telling these two and she has and she's gotten really good at it but we've talked a lot about there's this cycle of relationships where you have the peace times okay which is like honeymoon stage mm -hmm. and then you have resentment stage which is the part where you're still okay but you're starting to like gather up stuff that you're like oh my god i hate when this person does this or like i wanted him to <laughs> do the dishes <laughs> and then you gather up resentment and then you go to the fight phase where you're like in, the, in that time where you argue like three times four times in one week and you're like oh my god i don't want to argue but like it's happening a lot and you don't know what to do the arguing part the resentment part those are totally normal parts of a relationship they're annoying them they're annoying but they have to be there. but they have to right. be there the the question isn't not isn't really how much you argue Okay, it's how good you are at putting the pieces back together. Mm -hmm. uh, we were talking before the show about the diplomat, you yeah, know, exactly. And in in a part in a point, she says like, "Oh my God, my marriage has failed uh, or is failing or whatever." And it's like it's so ironic because it's like I'm the living embodiment. She's a diplomat, okay. Mm -hmm. So she says, "I'm li my profession is literally the living embodiment that there isn't anything that you can't talk yourself out mm -hmm. of." But my marriage is failing, and I just should just be able to sit down and talk about it. The definition, I think, of what our successful relationship is, is your ability to put the bad things behind you and get yourself to move forward. And the other day with, with my girlfriend, uh, we, had a, like, we had an argument, and we were talking, and she was upset because I did something that I usually do that I did wrong, okay? And it's something that I'm working on, but I'm not very good at working on it either, so it's pretty hard. <laughs> And uh, she was super like upset, and I told her like, you know, it's okay. I've got 60 years to fix this, and she like, <laughs> she calmed Wait. down immediately. <laughs> because it's like I'm if I'm in a relationship, if I'm in a serious relationship, I'm looking for the future. I'm not like mm. kidding around. So like in my mind, I'm, I literally have 60 years to fix this. Mm. Like essentially, like ideally, I'm gonna fix it in less than 60 years. But like <laughs> I told her that, and she was like. Okay, that gives me a little bit more perspective, and I think that's the key. If you get if you get perspective in those moments, you can bear anything. I mean, yeah, it's 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 also like one of the last yeah, it's not arguments, but like situations that we had. Come on, we were, it was sort of it felt like a hole that like I couldn't get out of it, and then you know he felt like he was right, I felt like I was right, and we had to speak about it like fifteen hundred times. It was super never ending. Which and, one was it though? Don't listen. <laughs> And then we sit down and I tell him, like, I just feel that I need to vent. And when I vent out to you, it goes out wrong. And then he was like, but why don't you talk to someone? And I was like, yeah, I talked to my mom and my friends. He's like, no, no, why don't you go to therapy? And I was like, I was so shocked that he was right and that I thought about it. But the fact that he told me like that, it was really shocking in, yeah. the, in the moment but then it was like this is actually the healthiest thing that i can do you know and it was a bit of like the compromise the understanding and the also for me it was really hard to accept that he was right right yeah i mean like coming up to that it's like i think just in general in the world a lot of people underestimate the uh positive effect of like therapy and just the fact of talking someone completely mm -hmm. unrelated to uh you know your life you know in general And personally, like personally, I hated doing therapy because when I was young, I did therapy for quite a while. And like now that I look back, it's the best thing that happened to me. Like being able to like, you know, express myself and just be the way I needed to be in order to, you know, feel better was amazing. And like I had like 
for three years therapy until I was 13, like 14, because I got kicked out of my school and I was a mess. <laughs> and like, that's I, probably a good story. <laughs> it was needed, you know? And I saw that, like, that therapist, like, two years after that, and she, she told me, she was like, I'm, I'm very happy to see that now everything is good for you. And I said, like, you know, I remember going in PJs to your place because I didn't want to go and I was forced to go. But it was for the good, uh, you know, of the best. And I, I went to hers because I had like a little argument with my mom and I thought I thought we needed to like figure that out and like I won the argument. <laughs> okay. I was you, right. you see what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so now it's it's very important and a lot of people like underestimate it so might as well promote it in a good way, you know, and you know, see the benefits of it. And how how has the no, so yeah, far. it's been it's been amazing. Yeah, we, we my girlfriend, uh, her and I go to the same therapist. Are you guys are going now? Not the same therapist, but to but the, the same, same place. Like, play. oh, okay, okay, we've yeah. been going since before you were going. She, she's I been didn't going. know he, she was going. Through. Yeah, yeah, I know you were going because this is we were having a conversation and it was like, hey, I've been going to your therapist for a while. It's pretty good. And she was like, oh, I have this problem communicating with you sometimes, and I don't know what to do about it. And I was like, therapy. And she was like, oh, may I'll think about it. And she took a while to think about it. I think she talked to her mom about it and she was like, well, you know, I can take, I can try it out. And at the beginning, she didn't really like it that much. She was like, "Mm, I don't think I like her. And then one day it clicked and it worked pretty well so far. For me, it was like, I'd been thinking about it for a while, but I didn't have like a reason why, you know, come on, it was in my head and stuff. But after he told me that, I was like, you know what? It's the time. And it was literally that day I called you and I was like, What's give me the phone number, dude? I get this yeah, done. I remember. I remember. I, I sent you the the webpage. See, see. Um, um, let's let's sponsor them for a bit. Like Sigurdin are pretty good. The mental health of this podcast yeah, is in their it, It's hands. really important. Like I base. Well, we were talking about my other podcast, Dare to Think, and most of my episodes that aren't about like figures are stuff that I discovered in therapy. See. Okay, fair and, enough. And the one thing I've noticed, and I talked about it with my therapist the other day, it's like I don't have to talk about like a problem with her. But now when I face it, I think about her and I like, it's a completely different way. And it's like, I see my thoughts and I'm like, wait, don't speak. <laughs> wait a second. Yeah, but, I, I've discovered stuff in, pod, uh, in, in, in therapy, like relationship to myself, relationship to food, uh, how I put my limits with people, mm-hmm. uh, how I have, have friendships with people who I feel comfortable, I don't feel comfortable with, etc. And it's crazy. Like you think that you are not interesting and then you look, go to therapy mm-hmm. and they're like, oh yeah. <laughs> there's stuff about me <laughs> there's yeah. some substance there but i mean therapy i i i see it like in different ma- like ways you know there's like the classic going to see someone to talk about it but like as we mentioned before for example podcasting or for mm-hmm. me like music it's my way of n- like not ha- like having to see a therapist but talking to myself and you know it's like since i put my thoughts together and every song is about like a similar thought, you know, it's like I managed to understand myself way better. Like, and it's really, I've, I've been feeling so much better like since I've managed to put words in what I think and like structure it and like, you know, say that, okay, that day, like for example, I, I wrote a beautiful song for her, okay? And I wrote this uh-huh. song, most, I mean, I wrote a lot of song for her, but like, this song is very important for me because I, I wrote it after an argument we had. It was an argument that I was speaking about. Exactly. We had like, we don't have big arguments, but it was like one of the one, you know, you really don't like and like, 
you just want to make it better, but it, it is going to take a bit of time, you know? And so I came back home and I remember like just writing all night and writing. And the thing is, I write like maybe five songs and I shrink it to one, you know, it's probably like you're doing the podcast, you know, it's like, and like after writing it and like listening to like my lyrics and what I said and then like putting on like a beat, you know, it's like, it made me understand a few, like a few things about like what I've done wrong, you know, how I see, you know, the problem, what is the exact problem. And it's amazing, you know, that's also why I love doing music and she can tell you, like sometimes I just, I'm like, okay, I need like a weekend where I'd like just write my thoughts and I need to, you know, let it out. Yeah, well, I, whenever we're between episodes, I go and play the guitar for a bit because it just recharges my energy for a bit. Like being able to play something, sing something, produce something into the world. Mm -hmm. I always feel, and this is probably not the best thing, but I, I always feel a little bit of pity for people that don't know how to write properly. Because writing something is so amazing. Like being able to put something in paper, even if it's like a poem or uh, or a paragraph or an essay or a sentence, whatever. When people don't know how to like express their feelings properly, you see it in their writing. Like I have students who are pretty articulate with their feelings, and then they give you a text that they wrote, and it's like, whoa! Mm -hmm. You can you can feel the levels of intelligence and emotional capacity in their writing that when you find somebody who's a lot more a lot more shy a lot more reserved etc and and is not not necessarily shy but like can't express their feelings properly you see it in their writing yeah. and i agree i mean my my dad for example is a really good cook okay he's a plastic surgeon but he's a really good cook and you can see when he's cooking he's he's just in the zone man and he's doing his thing and i wanted to tell you that there, there was this quote that i freaking love which is give a man a why And it doesn't matter what the how is. He'll crawl over broken glass and fire to make that happen. Mm. And it's so true. Like, if you have that thing that motivates you, it doesn't matter what's in the middle. Like, you can get fucking through it. No problem. Yeah. But that's one of the, also the things that I admire the most, I think. Come on, that you have something that you love. And that you, like, you know, that you work for. And that you want to be good at. That's something I really admire from you. And it's, it's that. And that you also are very aware of your needs sometimes. You know, it's like, look, I need this from you. And that makes, I think you're super emotionally smart when you do that. It's like, Nick, <laughs> he knows what he needs. <laughs> my, my brother I want to no. be able to do that. <laughs> I mean, it's not like I, it's not like I know what I need. It's just, I've, I've, you know, I've tried so much to understand myself, you know, that like, I'm more aware of what would be like good in certain um in like in certain mm, situations. situations exactly you know and so like some the thing is sometimes with so much confidence of okay that's what i need like sometimes i don't say the right things and mm. i don't need that exactly but it's true that like it often helps when you know you're sure of what you need and then at least like it's done you know no more questions it's like i need this and you get this you know yeah, yeah. I, i don't know I, i've been learning how to put limits Okay. to people because I'm. it's very difficult for me to say no sometimes mm -hmm. but yeah I, I'm, we've talked about this before I'm, I'm, we were overachievers when we were younger and we would do 12,000 things and say yes to everything and we would uh, have a social <laughs> life sleep ha get good grades <laughs> yeah 
And uh, nowadays, I've I've gotten to put some limits and uh, saying no to things. But my problem is that I get runaway excitement. When I get excited about one thing, it cont- it, it gets contagious on everything that I'm doing, and it's positive in a way. But then things get out of my hands, and like <laughs> I end up like at a party at four a.m. Like, wait, I was studying. I was really excited about the test, and, and it, it's uh, it's fucked up. But. Uh, I wanted to ask you something else because, like, you've uh, one of the things that we, we we study a lot of politics and we are interested in many, 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 many things. But you told me a little bit of nugget about your history that I found really, really, really interesting. Can you elaborate? Can you tell me the story a little bit more? <laughs> okay, okay. So uh, basically, my dad was born in Israel, uh, and so I have family there also, uh, and. Do, doesn't have to do anything in that, but I'm Jewish, so it's like you know, it's kind of like the whole mixture of it, yeah. you know, in one pot. <laughs> Every single possibility that you could have gotten in there, you, you had. Um, and um, so yeah, I often get asked about you know the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, 